pun intended at all, but uh, my, my message is entitled, Fruity Christians. And it's not meant to be funny, but it is. <laughs> it just happened that way. But I want to talk to you for the next two weeks. I was going to make it three weeks, but I got thrown off last week. I'm headed to, um, to, to Rwanda, Africa with Pastor Carmen. And um, where's my girl Denise at? Denise, she's in the classroom where she's teaching. You know, I believe with all my heart it's going to be a life-altering event for really for Pastor Carmen and for Denise. I know after that I'll probably stay in America, but I'll send them back. But, um, you know, I believe that this is what God is calling a few people in this church to do is take the message of the gospel and be a helping hand around the world. It's so easy to sit back in our comfort levels and do what we're doing here. But, you know, it takes a lot to be the hands and feet of the Lord. It takes a lot. Amen. Not just to speak his will, but to do his will. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. I want to talk to you about the first commandment God ever gave man. Anybody know the first commandment? The first commandment. You're in my class, so you knew that. You know. The first commandment God ever gave man is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It's right after God has created the heavens and the earth. We're on day 6. And God now has created man, he's created woman. And it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Tell your neighbor, be fruitful and multiply. Come on, let's pray. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, in your presence we are. We find ourselves here today, God, in need of a fresh word to propel us through our week, God, to strengthen us, to, to change our resolve. God, some coming for more, some coming from the initial Philip, God. Oh, God, some of us need a fresh touch. Some of us need a push, God. Some of us might need a shove today, God. But whatever you give to us today, God, we ask you will not leave our hearts this week, but that it will be trapped in us, God, alive and moving in us, God. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, amen. Be fruitful and multiply. I think my grandparents took that very seriously. Thirteen children later. Be fruitful and multiply. It's a famous scripture, but yet the reference is not just towards childbearing. The reference here is actually twofold. It's a blessing and a command. The blessing... The blessing, somebody say the blessing is to be fruitful. Got that? But now the command is to multiply. So God says, I command you to have children. And while you're at it, be fruitful. There's three levels of fruitfulness. Somebody say fruitfulness. In order to be fruitful, you have to have a certain criteria that you meet in your life. Charles Stanley, a well-known pastor, stated the following. One of the greatest quotes I've ever heard about fruitfulness. The amount of time we spend with Jesus, meditating on his word and his majesty, seeking his face, establishes our fruitfulness in the kingdom. He says the amount of time you spend in prayer, the amount of time you spend seeking the Lord, dictates the level of fruitfulness you have in your life. I'm going to break that down, and I'll back it up scripturally. If you desire to be blessed of God, you've got to be in his face, praying, 
fasting, living the right Christian life. Amen? The word fruitful means producing good results. Anybody want to produce some good results in your life? I think it should be the, the, the goal of every believer to produce good results. Not just okay results, but good results. To be fruitful means to be beneficial. You should be beneficial to everyone around you. You should be beneficial to your church. You should be beneficial to your family. You should be beneficial to your friends. Amen? It means to be profitable. I don't know about you, but I desire to be profitable in my life. Last but not least, producing an abundant growth. That's the description of the life that God desires for you to live. He said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, meaning be blessed. Nobody's happy about being blessed. That's all right. I'll move on. Be blessed, not just with children, in your finances, not just in your finances, in your relationships, in your relationship with God, in church, in, with your kids, with your marriages. God says in your spirit, be fruitful. And multiply. You're getting it, little by little. Be fruitful and multiply. This is what God desires for you. He desires you to have good results, to be beneficial, to be profitable to him. I know this might come as a shock because the average Christian life seems to have bad results, not good results. Hardly ever seems to be beneficial. We always seem to be characterized as Christians by debt, and crying out to God for financial breakthrough. We're always crying out to God to meet our need rather than thanking God for excelling in our wants. I mean, the average Christian life, we've been lied to over the course of the last 500 years that God desires poverty for the believer. Back in the days of the dark ages, the, the believers would actually, they would actually think that poverty was what God wanted for them. They would beat themselves and treat themselves like garbage. And that's why literally it says it's called the dark ages because men moved into a dark place concerning God. And then the illumination came when the word of God was opened up to them. Somebody say, I need to be fruitful and multiply. So there's spiritual fruits, financial fruits, and physical fruits. The only thing that stops you from being fruitful in this life is you. The only thing that hinders your blessing, somebody say, is me. The level of your fruitfulness in your life is determined by how you seek God. It'll never cease to amaze me the number of Christians who want the million dollar blessing while sowing the beggar's seed. It never ceases to amaze me how a Christian would desire that God blesses them with great things when they cannot store little things. If I can spend just 60 seconds on stewardship, everything in your life is not yours. I'll break it down for you. My life, my car is not mine. I don't consider it mine. I consider it to belong to the Lord. I don't care if I have the deed. He gave it to me to hold. All the money in my bank account, anything I have coming my way for now and forever is not mine. Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You are not mine. You don't belong to me. You're just a sheep that God has stored me over. 
So if you took on the responsibility of stewardship in your life, you would realize that nothing in your life belongs to you and everything in your life belongs to God. And so when God says, hey, I need you to give 20 bucks, bucks extra in the offering, you're going to say, no problem, God, it's your money. God is so great. We don't realize how great God is. God is so great. Every week, he'll give me a salary. And in that salary, he gives me all that money and says, I only want 10% back. You just missed that. Most folks say, why do I have to give 10? You should say, I got to keep 90. We don't look at it like that. I mean, even the righteous wants 25 nowadays. Isn't that true? Stewardship dictates in your life that nothing is yours. Nothing is yours. God desires, with all your heart, God desires to bless you. God desires for you to have an abundance in your life. God does not want you living paycheck to paycheck. God does not want you wondering where the rent is coming from. And so the thing is, we've lied, and the churches, all the spiritual, culturally driven churches around here have lied to you because they tell you God wants you where you need him the most. That is a lie. God would never have you broke. You got yourself broke because you can't manage your money. That's not God. God don't want you coming to him when you need him. God, God is so funny because we think that God wants us just up in his face all day. Lord, give me this. I need you. I'm depending on you. God just wants to give you enough so you can have enough to pay all your bills and know he gave it to you. He doesn't want to keep you running back to him for a financial miracle. That's not God's plan. And so in the old church, when you were broke, they would say, God's going to provide all your needs. Well, the Bible says he'll provide all my needs and all my wants and my wishes. That's the God that I serve. And so while you walk in lack, I walk in abundance. And it's not because, you see, when people walk in abundance, it's because they have stewardship principles of being a giver, not just of money, but of your time. I love when I get that phone call or that email from Pastor Carmen. I'm going to Puerto Rico again. She's been on, it's, it is only what, May? And you've been on how many vacations? Two? And she's headed to Africa with me, which is not a vacation, but it's not work. You get what I'm saying? I love when I see someone who's walking in the abundance of God. I love talking to whether it's Pastor John Moratori who's walking in the abundance because he understands the stewardship. It is not mine. That's why when you ask me for a ride, I give it to you because it ain't my car. I don't sit there and say, gas. <laughs> Settle in. Somebody call me for, for a ride and, and I say, yeah, no problem. And, and, and they, they sit there and be like, here's some gas money. I don't want your gas money. I mean, unless I'm already on E, you good. I don't need your money because God will provide for me. I give the SR ride and she fights with me. Take the money. I'm like, no. I, I give anybody a ride. I don't ask you for money because it's not my car. When I give you a ride to work, do I ask you for anything? No, it's not my car. You call me, can I give you a ride, Pastor? Sure. If I can make it, I will. If I can't, then I'll probably send somebody because it's not my car. 
Is everybody getting this? I need you to understand this before I move any forward. If you want to be fruitful, understand nothing you have is yours. Understand this. See, I need you to get, really get this today. If nothing you have is yours, that means everything you have is God's. And so if everything you have belongs to God, that means you have free access to everything else that belongs to God. You just missed it. You just missed it. That's why in a marriage, your stuff, my stuff never works. When it's our stuff, you have more. Me and my wife, there's no minds of yours. It's ours. And so when I have access to your stuff, you have access to my stuff. If I give God access to me, I have access to him. I give him my stuff. He gives me his stuff. And I walk in abundance while you walk in poverty saying, mine, mine. Oh, this is my money. I can't give you that. That's my money, my car, my gas, my food. Oh, one thing I cannot stand is when someone fights over food. One of the worst things in the world, I married into a great family, we don't fight about food. In my home with my father, we did not fight about food. Food was scarce when we were children, and so we appreciated food. And so when the abundance came, you know what? As children, you can ask my brother. We're good. We're all right. Don't even bring me a battery. When I was a kid, anybody with me today? When I was a child and, the, and we had food, most of the time some missionary would come in and we would give them food. When people came to our house, they would eat before we ate. Why? Because we respected the people of God. And in the end, in my line, the abundance came and we were able to have that. Amen. We were able to be blessed of God. We were able, don't even worry about it. We were able to have the abundance that God offers. And so you go to someone's house and they ate my, they ate my hot pocket. Not just one, they ate two. Oh, they had the last bowl of cereal. You know that's mine. They ate this, they ate that. There's no point arguing about food, church. God owns cattle on a thousand hills. There's been times I haven't had food in my home. Did I complain? No. Did I cry? No. Why? Did I moan and say, God hates me? God don't love me. Things are too tough? No. Because I knew, although it wasn't at my house, it was somewhere. You're not following me today. I'm talking about having normal, everyday faith. It wasn't at my house, but I knew it was somewhere, and God just had to move it from the grocery store to my house. And so I had no groceries, and somebody walks up to me and gives me $300 to go shopping, or someone says, here's my bank card. I want you to go shopping, get whatever you want. And I didn't tell them, oh, my God, I was broke because I wasn't. I just didn't have it in the right place at the right time, but my faith moved it there. I need you to understand this. Even if I don't have a dollar in my account, I am never broke because he got something in his account. But in order, in order to access all of that, in order to have that great blessing in my life, your fruitfulness is determined by how you seek God. Your fruitfulness is determined by how you seek God. You don't pray, you're not going to have abundance. You can't take care of the little that you have. You can't take care of that $30,000 a year job. Never expect the 60. 
You can't take care of your money. You always find yourself falling short. I had someone call me just the other day, and they said, you know, I, 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 you know, I just, just, you're going through a tough time. Just lost a job, and they said, I'm going to take money out of my 401K for liposuction. I said, you're crazy. You're going to rob your future to look good now because you're lazy. That's foolishness. That's not living in the abundance of God. That's just walking in the foolishness of man. Anybody here with me today? You cannot keep robbing from your future in order to finance the now that you can't know how to manage. Unemployed. Taking out your 401k for cosmetic surgery is not a good thing. Trust me. Your fruitfulness is determined by how you seek God. Psalms 9:10. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Man, I've been through some of the toughest things life can throw at you. I think one of the toughest things life can throw at you is the loss of a sibling or a parent, maybe even a child. And I, I lost a parent already, and it was one of the worst times of my life. But yet, when I sought after God, he took care of me. The night my father died, I've told you many times, I found myself not, not just sitting here mad at God. I came over here, and I sought after God. I said, God, you have to give me a plan. God, you've got to give me a, anybody got that? You, when you're going through something bad, you don't turn on God, you turn to God. When something goes wrong, don't turn on the Lord, turn to the Lord. And so I, I remember the night of my father's passing at the hospital, I was with um, about 15 to 16 of the young adults who are now our core leadership almost. And I was, I remember Yvette and Ricky was there, Ruben, Lori, and my sister, and some other people were there and whatnot. And, and when I walked into the hospital, somebody came up to me crying and all I can tell them, because I had already been praying, I said, listen, it's going to be all right. I mean, they were in tears. They were a mess. I mean, it wasn't even their father. They had just met him a year ago, and they're all a mess. And I'm like, it's going to be all right. I walk into the room, and, 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 and the chaplain walks in after me. And Elder Daniel, he says to the chaplain, he, I want to introduce you to the man taking over the church. And I'm just like, he's already speaking this into my life. My dad hasn't even been dead. He's not even on ice. But yet I knew that he was right. And so Daniel spoke prophetically. And so I had to take that. And I went to church that night. And I said, oh, these people are crazy, Lord, but I need you to give me strength. And so the level of the fruitfulness of the church was geared upon how I sought after God. As I told you before, I learned in a worship session, a worship teaching, that, that the, what happens here in the worship is from the overflow of our personal prayer lives, of the praise and worship team. So we've been praying all week. Hopefully, most of them have. If not, they're going to go to hell. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But out of the fruitfulness of their prayer life, they're able to worship God. You don't just get up here and be able to do something like that. Because if you do... Anybody ever been in a praise and worship set where it's, like, really difficult to actually worship God? If you've ever been to that, it's probably because they're not praying. They're not preparing themselves. Nothing worse than a praise and worship team. They don't practice. You can hear it in their sound, and it's just like, I don't want to worship God with you. That's how it goes. And so what happens in your personal life is out of the abundance of what happens in your prayer closet. You want God's blessing? Seek him. Seek him. Fruitfulness is what you desire. I would challenge you to commit yourself to a life of prayer and seeking God. God will not give you what you do not deserve. 
Psalms 105.4, look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. Psalms 119.2, blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. In order to live the blessed life, I must seek God with all my heart. My fruitfulness is determined by how I seek God. Say it with me. My fruitfulness is determined by how I seek God. Understand, in order to stay fruitful, we must stay in God's presence. John 15, 4. I love this scripture. I've read it to you a thousand times. Jesus says this. Remain in me as I remain in you. But no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. What he's, he's saying is he's describing a, 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 a grapevine. And, and like any tree, if you took a branch and cracked it off and threw it on the ground, that branch on the ground is not going to birth fruit at any point in time. It's not going to have any more leaves. It's done. Anybody can testify to that. Once a branch comes off, it might have the resemblance of life for a few days, but in the end, it will wither and crack. And so God says, as Jesus said, you are like a vine. If you disconnect from me, then you will bear no fruit. If you disconnect from me, then you are fruitless. There is no possibility of success outside of God. Because sometimes earthly success ends in eternal damnation. And so Jesus said, you have to remain in me. Somebody tell your neighbor, remain in him. You know, I would challenge every person in this room to do something crazy. I would dare you to begin to pray to God to only give you what you deserve. Some of you might be homeless. If it was not for grace. Some of you would be jobless. If it was not for grace, some of you would, would have a child in the grave if it was not for grace. Some of you would be broke, completely empty, living a secluded life, if not for grace. But yet God in his grace gives you what you do not deserve in order sometimes to pull you to him. But in other cases, he's going to leave you dry and empty until you start earning what he has for you becomes a point in your life, and I, I, you can call it whatever you want. You can say it's the plateau. And the plateau in spirituality is when God is going to stop, stop giving you what you do not deserve in order to get you to earn what he desires to give you. And so you reach a certain point in your Christianity and you say, I just don't feel God's blessing no more. I, I just don't feel it no more. He used to provide. That gas in my tank used to go a little further. The groceries would last. The oil would just never stop running out. But now I feel like I always have lack in my life, and I'm still serving God. Anybody ever been there before? Have lack in your life, but you're still serving God? Many times, it's not because God don't love you or even that God is testing you. We're so into this God's testing me. God's this. God's that. No, 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 no. What has happened is your lack of seeking God has caught up to you, and your credit blessings have stopped. And so God says, okay, I'm done blessing you without getting nothing in return. And so un until you can learn 
how to bless me, I'm not going to bless you. Because fruitfulness is determined by how you seek God. Jesus said it, if you remain in me and I remain in you, then you're going to bear much fruit. John 15, he says, I've not called you just to bear fruit, but fruit that lasts. You know what that means? If I can explain that in earthly terms, God says, I've not called you to have money around income tax season. I've not called you just to have money that time of year. I've not called you to be a government baller. No. I've not called you to have $8,000 in your account when your income tax comes. I've called you to have a million dollars at all times. Isn't, isn't that how we live, though? He says, I've called you to have abundance over all. God does not understand this. God does not want you to struggle financially. I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm preaching truth. Tell your neighbor, God don't want you broke. I can give you a thousand reasons as to why God doesn't want you broke. But the number one reason God doesn't want you broke is because you can't be a blessing to him or the people around you when you're broke. You can't be a testament of how great God is when you're broke. You cannot be a testament to who God is, that he owns cattle on a thousand hills. He is the maker of everything, the streets of gold in heaven. You cannot be a testament to that, that you serve that God walking in poverty. That is not a fruitful life. That is not what God has for you. It's not. The book of Deuteronomy declares to us that God has given us the ability to create wealth. I love it when Pastor John told me, that he came to the church, I don't know if you remember, he said, stop asking God for money. There's no money in heaven. God don't have dollar bills printed up there. He don't got nothing. All God has, he's given you the ability to create wealth. He's given you the ability to work something and to work with your hands and to do something in order to be blessed. Somebody say, I want to be blessed. Jesus said, John 15, 5, I am the vine. You're the branch. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you will bear no fruit. I really dare you this week just to pray that God gives you what you deserve. It'll be the worst week of your life. It'll be the worst week of your life. Unless you have a prayer life like, like Catherine Coleman or something, or you have a prayer life like, a, like a, one of the apostles, I guarantee you, it's going to be a rough week. Imagine how your prayer life would change if you asked God uh, just to give you what you earned rather than what you wanted. The only way to be fruitful is to seek God. If I've told you once, church, I've told you twice, God despises fruitlessness. God despises that you do not bear fruit. God despises when you squander money and have no wealth to give. God despises that, and I'll prove it to you in Scripture. Matthew 21, 18, verse 18. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. Why did he curse it? Somebody say it had no fruit. John 15, 2. God cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. God cuts off every branch in him that bears no fruit. After a certain amount of time, if you bear no fruit and do not pick up what God's trying to teach you, he'll just cut you off. Luke 13, 6, he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but it did not have any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears no fruit, cut it down. Don't you realize that you not having any type of financial success, God despises that? You not having a savings account because you, you keep going out to eat, God despises that? Because you wanted that new flat screen TV because you didn't know how to save? God despises the fact that you can't store what he gives you. The Bible says in the book of Matthew and Luke that the axe is at the, at the root of the tree to cut anything down that does not bear fruit. The first thing God ever spoke to man, the first words God ever spoke to man was to be fruitful. He commanded us to have blessings in our life. Isn't that great? What kind of a God do we serve? God desires for you to be fruitful. When you seek God, he blesses you. If you have a life of prayer, God will begin to bless you. But outside of financial and physical fruits, there's spiritual fruits. I want to read to you two passages of scripture. One is a different version than the other, but I want to read them both to you. From the New International Version, Galatians 5, verse 19, talking about spiritual fruits. What are spiritual fruits? Spiritual fruits are when you sow the seeds of God into your life, the word of God. When you sow it into your life, you begin to have fruits. A real Christian has the word of God in them, and they begin to change and don't know why. It's because the fruit is budding in your life. It's beginning to come to fruition. The seed is growing as a tree would grow in the soil. Anybody picking that up today? And so he says, if you sow the word in you, the fruits of the spirit, like love, will come out of you. I wasn't always loving, and half the time I'm still not. I'm waiting on some fruit. We don't always have self-control, but I have a lot more than I had five years ago. Why? Because I have good fruit. And so as you grow in your Christianity, you ever found yourself just softening up? God changing your life, molding you? Like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Don't believe that everybody in church was always a good person. It was we weren't. Galatians 5.19. The Apostle Paul writes, it's obvious what kind of a life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. This is the message version right here. Repetitive. Loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom in a wrong way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. 
This is the Message Bible. Today's English, what the Apostle Paul said to them back thousands of years ago. That's the kind of life that comes out of not living for God. Doesn't that sound so familiar? Where sex is treated like nothing in our communities. Our communities are a mess. Our cities completely in just ruin right now. Shootings, murders, suicides, rapings going on. All types of foolishness. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is not in the city. Never satisfied at once is what he describes it as. You're never satisfied. You always want God to give you one thing more. God, give me just a little more or I'm going to leave because I don't feel like it's working out for me. And I'm going to turn my back into a fruitless life of partying and drinking and, and just misery and depression because I felt like you didn't love me anymore. I know some of y'all feel that way all the time. But what happens when you live God's way? Verse 22, he brings gifts into your lives, much like the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life and serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is kill, killed off for the good. We crucify it. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the spirit amen we should hold on to the life of the spirit truth be told many of us today might be dealing with a mixture many many christians today deal with a mixture of living life in the spirit and living life in the world i wish you would be honest with me today sometimes you want to serve god other times you don't even care by Tuesday, you just forgot about God. Wednesday, you remember. Thursday, somebody upsets you. Friday, you're feeling good. Saturday, you're out drinking. Sunday, you're in church. Isn't that how so many times it happens? And so we have this like, I want to live in the spirit, but I love living in the world. I want to live for God. He gave me everything I ever asked him for. But let me see what else I can get from him before I give my all. How much more can I bargain for? If I've gotten this much with being a hypocrite, what can I do with being real? It's just, <laughs> isn't that amazing? Even in my life, if I've gotten this much sometimes being half-hearted, what could I do being wholehearted with God? I mean, if you don't want to be honest, on the days that I'm hypocritical and God still blesses me, what can I do if I'm real? If all this time I've been fake so many times, what can God do with a real Lewis? And I found out he can bless you more and more and more, more than you can imagine. God's not calling you to be hurting. God's not calling you to be dying. God's not calling you to be in depression, to be sad. God's calling you to be loved. God's calling you to be abundant, to be profitable, to be a, a beneficial to the people all around you. But the thing you need to do is create an atmosphere where the fruits of God can come into your life. You can't sow seed in the wintertime. They'll die. 
But if you sow seed in the spring, by the time the end of the summer comes, you're going to have a harvest. Anybody with me today? You'll have a harvest in your life. If your life is full of shortcomings and issues, God's fruit can't come in for it's choked up. The seed gets choked out. If your life is full of things that do not please God, it's not a proper climate for God's blessing to be in. God's blessing should be a desire of every Christian. You should desire that God moves in your life. You should desire it, but God will not move in your life. God will not continue to bless you if you don't have the proper atmosphere. It's like, it's like you know, when the conditions are right for a tornado. It's, you know, you need the, the warm weather pressure, the, the, the cold pressure, the hot pressure. You need a certain temperature. You need an eastern wind, and, a, and you need a western wind to hit the certain cloud at a certain time. There's a lot of conditions that come with the, with, the, with the probability of a tornado or any storm for that case. And God says, it's the same thing with my fruit. There's got to be about ten different levels of preparation that you give. You have to seek God. You have to worship God. You have to live for God. You have to be real to God. You have to be, you know, watch your mouth and change your ways and all this stuff. And I know that the fact of the matter is, you see, we don't understand it. So many of us choose our sin over God's blessing without realizing it. We'd rather cuss somebody out because it felt good. We'd rather be upset for a day because that's how we feel. We'd rather, we'd rather go off on Facebook because that's okay. Because God knows you're going to ask forgiveness. And you know it wasn't right. But you did it anyways. And everybody saw it. And they know you go to GVA. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God. And they inbox pastor, did you see so-and-so? And then I call you and you say, why am I gossiping about me? You put it on Facebook. <laughs> But so many times we're willing, honestly, with all my heart, listen to this. So many times you're willing to let go of a long-term blessing for short-term satisfaction. You know, honestly, I've gotten to the point where me cussing you out isn't even worth it because I've been doing good for five, six days in a row. I'm not going to lose it on you. Uh-uh. I've been praying. I've been doing this for, for the last X amount of years. I'm not going to lose my blessing over you. I don't know what God has for me tomorrow, but I can't lose it over my now. If you want to be fruitful in life, if you want God's blessing, God's peace, God's tranquility, God's provision in your life, you've got to begin to live a life that God desires to bless. You should live a life that God can't stop blessing. You should live a life that God, he's bragging about blessing you. You should desire to live a life that God cannot, cannot leave you stranded. You should provoke God to bless you by living a life that's that good. Living a life of holiness, a life of purity. A life where you're saying, you know what, God, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose you. The beauty of everything is this, is that in John 15, you know what, I used to wonder this myself, but Jesus said this, listen, you did not choose me. I chose you. I chose you. Look to somebody next to you and say, God chose you. You ever wonder why you can't get rid of God? You always find yourself running back to God in some capacity. It's because God chose you. You can't outrun God. God chose you. God desired to have you here this afternoon. God desired that you would just come hear some worship and a word from him. Why? Because I chose you. Come on, do I have anybody here know they're chosen by the Lord? 
God says, I desire to have you living an abundant life. I desire to have you living a life that pleases not just me, but pleases you. Come on, look at your life right now. Does it please you? And I guarantee you it's not the life that God has for you. Because God knows you better than yourself. And the life God has for you is the life that you would desire for yourself. Come on, stand with me in this day. I won't ask you the front today, but I would ask you this. That you would bow your heads. And I believe there's just too many people to call up today. Just too many people who, who just need God's blessing. Need God's word. Need God's fruit to come into your life. Come on, just bow your heads and close your eyes right now. I want to ask you a series of questions and then begin to pray over each and every one of you guys, not individually, but just corporately. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to ask you today. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? I mean, maybe you've been hearing us worship and hearing us talk, but really in your heart, you're saying, Pastor, you know, I don't know God the way you speak of him. In my heart of hearts, I really know that I know who God is, but I've never experienced God. Maybe you've experienced him in some capacity, and you left him and walked away from him time and time again. I believe there's about eight people in this room that God says, I don't ever want you to leave my presence. I don't ever want you to leave my presence been running but I've been calling you you've been coming back here not for not just for nothing but because I've been beckoning you here come on with every head bowed every eye closed if that's you you're saying pastor I don't know Christ as my savior come on let's lift your hand thank you thank you you say I don't know him as my savior thank you but I want to know him now thank you thank you thank you him, but I want to know him in this day. He means everything to me right now. I, he's been too good to me, but I, I've turned my back on him time and time again. And every time I told him I would serve him, I never did. And every time I told him I would give him my everything, he always ended up with nothing. But I ended up with a blessing. Come on, thank you, thank you. I'll give you just a few more seconds. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. You say, Pastor, I want to know God the way you're speaking of him today. Thank you. Father, you see us this, this day, Father. You see us here. Come on, maybe you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I've been serving God. I've been serving God many years. But you know what? I know that I'm not living the life that I should. I've been in church, but I haven't been in his will. I've jumped, I've danced, I've sang for God all the time. But in reality, in my heart, every day I awake, there's a struggle. Come on, if that's you, you say, I just want to turn it over this day. I'm tired of being half-hearted. Thank you, thank you. Oh, come on, hands are going up. Thank you, thank you. That's you. If that's you, just lift your hands and say, you know what? I want this to be the same way I feel right now in victory. I want to wake up Monday morning and have the authority of God. I want to wake up on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And I want to have the power that God offers me. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Maybe you've been faithful, but you haven't been a good steward of what God has given to you. And you're saying, Pastor, that's me. And I want God to teach me stewardship. 
I want the abundance of God in my life so I can bless others. Come on, if that's you, lift your hand. Thank you. I see it. Come on, I see it. I see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, you can put your hands down. I want you just to bow your heads. Truth be told, church, no prayer on earth can bring God's fruitfulness into your life. The fruitfulness in your life is simply determined by how you seek God. How you seek God is how your life is blessed. How you seek God and how you worship after Him determines the level of your fruitfulness. It determines the level of your fruitfulness. And so I want to say this to you right now. I want to say this to you right now. God desires one thing, and that's to be believed and to be worshipped. Come on, just keep your heads bowed right now. I want to give you a minute right now to make a decision. I'm going to have this praise and worship team. If I can get some of the singers up here, I'm going to have this praise and worship team. Just begin to worship the Lord. If you raise your hand and you're saying, Pastor, I need that, I want that. Your level of fruitfulness is determined by how you worship Him. It's determined by how you seek Him. I'm going to tell you this right now. Service is over. If you want to go home, go home. Service is dismissed. But if you want fruitfulness in your life, there's got to be a culture of worship that rises up in your life. There's got to be a culture of worship that begins to take over. There's got to be something in you that says, you know, Pastor, I want more. I want more. I want everything God has for me. Not just some of it. I want everything. That only happens through worship. You know, God's been trying to bring us closer and closer to Him. So I'm going to have to praise the worship team. But I would challenge you today. If you're done, if you're, if you're through, the service is over for you, please quietly exit. This is for those who want a little more of God. No one's going to look at you differently. No one's going to say, oh, they don't want God. No, no, no. All I'm saying is if you want more, you've got to give a little more. If you want fruitfulness, it's determined by how you worship God. Let's take these next moments. Hold nothing back in your worship and just give God your everything. Come on, worship team, take it off.
Jesus.